0: Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl and happy Thanksgiving week. Obviously, you know, the roots of Thanksgiving, We don't really mess with around here, not necessarily trying to celebrate colonizers, but any chance to take a moment, enjoy our loved ones and spend an extra moment of gratitude is welcomed and appreciated. So I hope you have a restful, wonderful holiday week. And thank you so much for tuning in to the show. I have been living and loving this every other week format, which I don't know how much longer I'm truly going to be able to sustain it and may have to ramp the show back up in 2020 purely because there are so many amazing women that I have gotten pitches to receive on the show for guests who want to be interviewed, people that I've met where I'm just like, oh my gosh, putting out an episode every other week. I don't know if that's enough to feature the amazing women that I want to feature. But in the meantime, your girl has been living, has been (laughs) balanced, has been more well-rested than I think I've ever felt in my adult life. The slower pace has definitely been agreeing with me. And I have been really, really using the extra time that I have saved from creating less content and delegating more to members of my team to really focus on my own inner healing, which, ooh, y'all, <laughs> is not necessarily easy to do. And it's something that I am actually grateful to have a little bit more time in my schedule right now to be able to do that because it is really taxing and it is really challenging to do that inner work and I've been doing so much reflection, reading, meditating, journaling, challenging my own beliefs as well as work with today's podcast guests which you will hear about in just a little bit. So while this every other week cadence, I don't know how much longer it's going to last. I have to say I am definitely, definitely enjoying it. I still so greatly appreciate how much you all are sticking with me. We are still have a really strong listenership for the show. In fact, if anything, I think it's gone up a little bit since putting out less content. So many of you been sharing the show because we've been getting a lot of new listeners and I just so appreciate, again, you all and how you have really rallied around allowing me to take this extra space to take care of myself and to explore what being a balanced Black girl means to me. So thank you so much. Before I dive into talking about today's guest, I wanted to share my favorite of the week which you all, like, I am just beside myself with this. So a few weeks ago, I was displaced out of my apartment. Specifics of that we don't have to get into, but I basically was not able to go home for several days. I had clothes for a few days. I was kind of couch surfing with friends, but I did not have any hair product on me, which was a huge no-no. So I went to my local CVS. I was like, I just need some gel or like a leave-in or something to just make these curls just relax because y'all, they were as dry as the desert. And I just, I needed a little something. So I was at CVS. I was looking through all the hair products. I don't understand why all the hair products are so expensive. And literally everything was like 18 plus dollars, which I mean, I've spent, you know, I've spent some dollars on hair products before, especially since going natural, my fellow natural ladies, you know, that going natural actually costs you more time and money, contrary to popular belief. But I'm like, these are these are drugstore products. This isn't like salon stuff. I'm not trying to drop $20 on some like drugstore gel. I'm I'm just not. I ended up going for the one product that was semi-affordable and y'all, I think I literally found my favorite new hair product. So it is the Curls Goddess Curls Botanical Gel and the label says it is frizz fighting botanical holding gel that is formulated with organic mango and shea butter and Plumera flower extract. You guys, this is not an ad. This is like a real deal. I straight up just found this at CVS, <laughs> used it and it has given me some of the best Hair days I've ever had. No joke, literally the best wash and go I've had, and one of the best curl refreshes I've ever had. I had so many people messaging me on Instagram and commenting on the photos that I had posted after doing my hair with this like, what is going on? What is happening with your hair? Why does it look so good? And it was that. So Curls Goddess Curls Botanical Gel is my favorite of the week. It is a gem. Head to your local drugstore and check it out. I've seen it at Target. I also saw it at Bed Bath and Beyond last week. I don't know. Whatever you got to do, just try it out because it is that good. I don't even I don't know why. I don't know why I hadn't tried it before, but my curls have been behaving like none other. So that was my favorite of this week. Speaking of curls, today's guest is also a curly girl who has amazing curls and it really ties in the two topics I just talked about, curly hair and self-work really well together because she just embodies both of those two things. So our guest today is Shirin Eskandani. Shirin is a life coach, public speaker, and writer who specializes in mindfulness and mindset work. She's been a featured wellness expert on the Today Show and in Cosmo. Certified by the International Coach Federation, her holistic approach to transformation is influenced by her background in guided meditation, spirituality, and the arts. Prior to building her successful coaching business, she was an award-winning opera singer performing at Carnegie Hall and the Metropolitan Opera. She is also the founder of Brown Girl Brunch and has been a featured speaker at Alt Summit, Well Summit, The Assemblage, and Soho House. And as you will hear throughout this episode, I did share a bit how I personally have worked with Shirin, gone through her program, had her as my coach, who has really, really helped me. Just have such a transformational year and helped me discover so many tools to improve my mindset, to work through some of the blockages and traumas that I was holding on to, and just open up new pathways for myself. So... While I'm interviewing her and asking questions, I do dive a little bit into kind of the personal ways that her work has also impacted me, so you will get to hear that. It is a little bit more conversational, but I really, really appreciate her work, and I know that you will love hearing from her as much as I did. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. So, Sharin, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today because I especially love interviewing people that I know and love. And those conversations are just so much fun to share.
1: Um, First of all, I just want to say how excited I am to be having this conversation with you to be on this platform. I can't tell you how much I love you and your work. So I'm just so excited for this conversation right now. Thank you. I mean,
0: it's going to be a good one. So I'm so excited to have you. Let's dive in for our listeners who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do?
1: Yeah. So I am a coach. I'm a life coach and I work with women and, and I help women create a sense of self-trust again. And from there, I think everything is possible. I think one of the things that so many of us struggle with as we kind of navigate life is that I call this our compass, our inner compass gets kind of off. And instead of like the North Star of our inner compass being us, our intuition, our self-trust, our highest self, it becomes fear. It becomes the voice of our family, society. It becomes everyone else except us. And So what I help to do is to just make that compass, I make it like back to you back to what you really want to be so you can just navigate your life the way that you want to do it, which I think that that's exactly what so many of us want to be doing anyway.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what so many of us need. I think it can be so easy as women and really anyone. We listen to everyone else's voices except for our own.
1: Yeah. It's so funny how when you look at some of the biggest decisions in your life, how many of them you spent time in that indecisive place of asking everyone and their mother, right, making all these pro and con lists when you already knew two seconds in what the best thing was for you, right? But like we talk ourselves out of it. We're like, well, it can't be that. And that's what I want for all of us, all women to be able to do again, which I think it's our innate skill. It's our innate ability is to like trust that voice and go with it, no matter how scary or how uncomfortable the thing it is asking us to do is.
0: And I think that's one of the things that I've really appreciated the most in getting to know you and also in working with you myself is really learning how to do that and realizing that I don't necessarily need like a 10 page report justifying all of my decisions that I know what right decisions are for me within myself and within my intuition and I can trust that. And I don't really have to explain that to anybody.
1: Oh, my gosh, that is literally the greatest thing anyone who has ever worked with me could <laughs> possibly say. Those are the things that make me so happy because I don't want to be the coach where people are just dependent on me forever. Like, I want to give you the skills so you can just do your thing, live your life to the fullest like that. Make, it literally gives me goosebumps because that, that is exactly what I envision for each and every woman who works with me and just each and every woman to have whether you work with me or not. I just, I really want that. I desire that for all of us.
0: Yes, it is. It's so empowering and it's such a good feeling to have. So I would love for our listeners to learn a little bit more about your story, Shirin, from how you came to be who you are. Have you always been this woman that we see in front of us who is so in alignment and able to follow her compass and and guide others to do so? How did you get here?
1: Oh, my gosh. No, I was like (laughs) hot mess. I mean, I'm always the hot mess express. (laughs) But like I was definitely having the Hot Mess Express on like full speed ahead. So I, my family immigrated to Canada from Iran when I was five years old and we moved to a predominantly white neighborhood. And I think like a lot of us first generation kids or kids who grew up in a culture environment where we couldn't see ourselves, you start to compensate for that, right? Whether that is through perfectionism, overachieving, your sense of humor or people pleasing whatever that is, it's a sense of I am not enough, or I I don't belong here. So how can I make myself feel more at ease and more just acknowledged and seen. And so for me, all of those things that I mentioned kind of became my MO. And my first love in life was music. I come from a super musical family. And I just felt the most free and alive when I was performing and on stage and I have a very good voice. And so I was like, I'm just going to pursue my passion. And so I went to undergrad, I got a music degree, a bachelor's in music. And I was a big fish in a little pond. I just was like, I'm amazing. This is great. (laughs) I was humble about it all. But like, I never had stopped to think whether I was good. You know, I never ever thought about that with singing. Everything else in my life I did, but not with singing. And then I moved to New York to do my master's. I live in New York now. So I moved here and everything changed. And I looked around me and Everyone was special. Everyone was incredible. Everyone was just as driven as I was. And it was like a slap in the face. And all of those parts of me that I'd never really addressed, right? I'd never addressed those insecurities. I'd never addressed those perfectionist tendencies. They just took over, right? Because they that was the only way I knew how to survive. So I started to just get into what I call the mindless hustle, which is just constantly doing and proving and achieving and striving and comparing. And the thing with that mode of being, which I think a lot of us can really say, yes, I've been there, is that it actually gets you very, very far. You know, it will get you many of the things you desire, but it will also get you there and you'll be half beaten, half worn, totally exhausted and miserable. And that's kind of what started happening to me. I was achieving a lot. I was getting really great work working in Europe, working in the US, Carnegie Hall, but I was exhausted. And singing, which was that thing that used to give me so much love and joy became the thing that actually caused me the most stress in my life. So I started questioning like, do I actually want to be doing this? And it was like at that moment, I was the most miserable and exhausted that I got the call that I'd been literally waiting for since I was a little girl. My manager called me and he said, Sharin, the Metropolitan Opera wants you to sing in Carmen next season. This was my literal childhood dream come true. Like nothing could have changed, right? You know how so many times we get that thing we want, but mm-hmm. we're like, oh, maybe if I got a little bit more money or maybe if he was just like a little bit taller, <laughs> it would be perfect. There was nothing about this that could have been more perfect. And I'll never forget the day I got my contract. I I opened up the envelope and I looked at my name with the Metropolitan Opera there. And, you know, it was a moment I dreamed of. I, I thought I was going to be filled with so much happiness and joy and excitement. And I thought that this would finally prove to me that I was good enough. And I looked at the contract and I realized I felt none of those things. I looked at it and I thought, I am not good enough, and this is not enough to prove to me that I'm worthy, that I'm valuable, that I'm good enough. And so I realized in that moment that no external achievement, no goal, no outside thing would ever make me feel the way that I wanted to feel. That responsibility was all on me. You know, like I had just been living my life being like, okay, well, if only I get that job or if only I get that apartment, if only it was like all these if only's, it was a constant stream of if only's and I got the thing. There was no if only's here and there was just nothing on the other side. And so that's where I had to do the inner work and work. All that stuff I'd been ignoring, which was my spiritual and emotional health, my mental health, I had to get to work on. And so I had a year and a half from when I got the contract and when I had to rehearse at the Met. And in that time, most singers will, you know, work on their voice. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work on my voice, but I'm going to work on like that inner peace. Because yeah. no matter how good we get at something, if we don't believe we're good, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if I get on that stage, right? And and I've practiced X amount of hours. If my mind is not on my own side, then it's just not going to work, right? So I was that was my journey was to get my mind on my side. And that's what I did. And so I say to this day that my greatest accomplishment was not performing at the Met, but performing at the Met and enjoying every second of it, even when I messed up, I failed that to me was an accomplishment, like the greatest accomplishment ever. Yeah, so that's my story. And that's how I found coaching because coaching was a big part of me getting my mindset and my just inner world healthy. I started working with a coach and it transformed my life. And I was like, you know what, I think I really want to do this. And that's when I just started kind of exploring that world.
0: Oh my gosh, amazing. And I mean, because I know you, like I knew your background and like I knew your story, but I don't think I'd ever heard you like fully tell it kind of all in one take like that. Mm -hmm. There's just so many things that I wanna dive into within that. The first being when you were younger, being in an environment where you were different and othered, which I think a lot of listeners of the show can relate to. That's kind of how we all bonded together yes that your response was to lean towards perfectionism, which is also something that is very relatable for yes. a lot of us. And I think the thing about perfectionism that is so hard is that it's like a trauma response that's celebrated, right? Yes. Like, when we're perfectionists, when we beat ourselves up, when we beat ourselves down to the ground, trying to do all of the things like we're celebrated. So it's really, really hard to unlearn that behavior. Did you have that experience?
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, perfectionism is something that I've really, I always call myself a recovering perfectionist because it's a constant practice. And the way that I see perfectionism is that that space between like enough and perfect, right? That's where ego is. That's where ego lives. And it's always about them. Like perfectionism, those of us who are like, oh, well, I'm a perfectionist and take pride in that. I get that. I've been there. But actually, perfectionism has nothing to do with you. It has to do with you proving to them that you belong, with you proving to them that you're valuable, to you proving to them your worth, right? It's all about proving. It's not about being and knowing and standing in your worth, right? And so undoing that is really hard because it is exactly as you say. It's that thing that's celebrated. And of course, as you know, women of color, we know that in most of the spaces we have to be in, we have to be like at 110%. Yep. Right. So that's also just kind of a lived experience that we have where there's like so much proof where we're like, oh, crap, like I got to be more than perfect in the space, because if not, you know, all of these ramifications, but then it starts to take over and it will lead to burnout. It will lead to exhaustion. And it's what's going to lead to us like not actually enjoying our lives. And that's the purpose. Like, yo, we got this one beautiful Life to live, and I do not want to live it being perfect for somebody else. No, thank you.
0: Yes, exactly. Oh, so well said. The other aspect of your story that I wanted to dive into uh, was when you were talking about getting your contract from the Met, like your lifelong childhood dream fully coming to fruition with no buts, no exceptions. No, and still being like, mm, something's missing. I think. For so many of us, man, woman, whatever color, whatever, it is so easy to get into that cycle of constantly seeking external validation. It becomes a hamster wheel that's really hard for a lot of people to get off. So when you took that year and a half to also really focus on yourself and to focus on your happiness, like what brought you to that space where you realized that was what you needed to do and that you had to find that happiness within yourself? I don't know.
1: I think when it comes to like feeling good in our lives, we have this idea that like we have to do x y and z to deserve that, right? That like we need to work or hustle for our happiness and joy and that there's some kind of like magical moment in life where we actually get to relax and chill and enjoy it. And that's just not how this is. Like I always say that you you are living your dream life as you create your dream life, right? And knowing that those things that you I wrote a post about this that like really resonated with people, those things that you used to dream of then are the things that are causing you worry now, right? Like, you know, I always dreamed of of having a business, I dreamed of having a partner, a husband, you know, all these things. But that doesn't mean that once you get them, it's like, okay, cool, chill, let's just have parties and and, <laughs> and have a great time. Like, no, that's a lot of work. And so that the responsibility is on us to Enjoyment, those smallest of moments is those moments where you can stop and pause and really just savor the life that you're living now, which really requires us to slow down. It really requires us to acknowledge our own achievements and accomplishments more. It requires, and I know this is a word that's just thrown around so much in the wellness world, but gratitude mm-hmm but really being specific about a gratitude, not just saying my health or my family, but saying like, I am so grateful that I got to talk to my sister today and we, you know, we got into it a little bit, but then we like came back. These things are what really truly encompass a beautiful life that you can enjoy. It's not the big things. And I think that's what society has really kind of pulled one over us, right? It's telling us to like, wait for the big things and like to do the big things. And that's when you can have happiness or when you deserve happiness. But it's like, if happiness and joy, fulfillment, success, whatever you want to feel are not along the journey towards whatever you're seeking, then you're not going to find it waiting for you on the other side, right? They have to be there with you during that process.
0: Absolutely. And when they're truly with you and within, that's when you're able to really cultivate them in any situation.
1: That's what it's all about, yes. Yeah.
0: And as you were talking about your
1: transition
0: to become a coach, you talked about how that really started when you got a coach yourself. So I would love to talk about that a little bit more because you now have the experience of being both kind of the coach and the client and being on both sides. You know, for people who are maybe interested in working with a coach, but get really hesitant, not knowing, you know, if it's worth it or what it's like. When you were going through that beginning stages of first working with your coach, what was that? experience like for you? And how did it transform your life?
1: So first of all, I'm going to put it out there that I was the one who was like, what is this coaching bullshit? Like what (laughs) And like, what is like a life coach? Like, what is this? Like the the Sharin from four years ago to the Sharin now, it's like a complete 180. But when I kind of had my, you know, aha moment, my come to Jesus moment, I feel like those moments like kind of break us open and we're just receptive to so many things. And that can be a good or bad thing, right? Because you can be, you're in that really tender, vulnerable place. And so I feel like sometimes people take advantage of you. But I was very lucky that I kind of fell into the pathway of some pretty amazing people. And so, yeah, like I was at this moment where I was like, you know what? I've done therapy. I love therapy so, so much, but I'm going to try everything and anything. And so I found my coach actually through a podcast. She was speaking to this woman that I listened to and she was just saying all these things. I was like, just nodding my head the entire time during the conversation. I was like, this woman gets me. She's been through what I'm through. And here she is on the other side. So like, I want to know what that is. What did she do? And so I remember having, I had no idea what coaching was, like how it was different. From from therapy, what it meant. I didn't know, but I just went with my gut. I just went with my gut. And I remember the phone call with her and she gave me the price of coaching. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like that what? Huh? Hmm? <laughs> And I really was like, but she was, she was one of those coaches. If anyone chooses to work with coaches, there's many different types of, you know, people out there, many different types of selling methodologies, but hers was very much like, okay, like we talked on a Tuesday. She's like, I'm going to keep this offer open until Friday. And if you know, it's not for you, then that's it. Like that's enough time for you to figure it out. And yeah. I was like, what? Oh my God. And I'm such an indecisive human being that I was like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I can't <laughs> do this. But something inside me was like, just do it. So I signed a contract to work with her for a year and it was just the greatest thing ever. And now coaching is very, like it's very vast. There's many different types of coaches. The type of coaching that I was drawn to and that I practice is called transformational coaching. And the best way of describing it that I like is that imagine there's three versions of you in a room. And there's the version of you now here on one side and across the room is the version of you that you desire to be, whether that person has things or feels a certain way or is a certain way that that's the woman that you envision being. And in the middle of the room is the you that always gets in the way of you getting there. Right. And so, from my coaching perspective, it's like, okay, if we do not address what's happening there in the middle, then whatever's on the other side is either not going to be attainable, or if you get there, it's not going to be sustainable, right? So there is a little bit of overlap with therapy, because that person in the middle is there because of trauma, because of past experience. But where it's different from therapy is we don't stay in the past, like we don't stay there for a long, long time, we acknowledge it, we address it, and we honor it. And we say, okay, knowing that these things happen to you, how can we create tools and systems and rituals for you to thrive and get to that other side, really honoring these things about you that are just always going to be part of you. And so that's what I really, really love about the type of coaching that I do is that it's not about like results. Honestly, for me, a result truly isn't like getting a thing. Like I think a lot of people come to me and they're like, all right, we're going to work for six months. And by the end of it, like I really hope to quit my job, have this and have that. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes it takes longer or sometimes it never happens. But after that six months, they will be so sure in who they are. They will be to make their own decisions. They will be able to trust themselves. They will be making these really hard decisions and doing it with compassion and kindness and joy. And that to me, that's a transformation. And those are the results, quote unquote, that I think are the most important
0: I know when I started working with you earlier this year, I went into it and I was like, okay, so Sherin is gonna fix me. And then I won't be messed up anymore. And then I won't have all these problems. And in six months, like, it'll be good. I'll be totally fixed. And I think the first lesson I learned was it don't work that way. (laughs) But that also, we don't need to be fixed. I don't need to be fixed. We have, you know, things, we have situations, we maybe have habits that are not serving us. and, And we learn how to step into our future selves. But there's nothing about us that needs to be fixed.
1: Not at all. We're, you know, first of all, like, it's our imperfections that make us so freaking incredible. You know, that's the first thing. But for me, it's we don't need to be fixed. We need to learn how to embrace our wholeness, which includes those parts of us that we don't really like, right? Like, I don't love my perfectionist side. But I know that that part of me is going to be with me for this journey called life. It doesn't have to be in the driver's seat, it's going to be in the back seat. And I know now how to be with it and how to kind of you know, I don't want to say manage because that's not the right word, but just be present with it. And I have tools now to be in those situations where my perfectionism really, really wants to take over. And when it does take over, you know, because this is life, I have the tools to be compassionate towards myself. So I think those are the most important things because so often we want to get rid of those parts. And it's yeah. like, no, that's the part of the fabric of your being. And also those parts have made you the person you are today, which is a pretty damn amazing person. And it's brought you a lot of amazing things. But right now it's it's running the show. So how can we get it to like kind of relax and chill so other parts of you can kind of like take over?
0: Yeah. And I think learning that self-compassion piece, I mean, it takes a lot of time and I know I'm still definitely a, a work in progress with it, but has brought been the most valuable and at least understanding that that is truly what we need to learn to transform is a really empowering
1: thing. Self-compassion is a huge part of self-growth and that's something I feel like it's the cornerstone of this work is self-kindness and again like bringing it back to Again, like women of color, first generation immigrant, we know how to be self critical. Like that is what we know. And that's what we speak to ourselves so often. And self criticism is something that, again, can get you very far, but it's going to do it in a way that is so self destructive. You won't be able to enjoy the things that you're doing. And I think we have, I've talked about this a lot, where we have a lot of misconceptions about self compassion, self kindness, which is like, oh, it's a pity party. I'm not going to get anything done. If I'm kind to myself, I won't change. Like we, We really have a fear of being kind to ourselves. And yet, if a girlfriend or a friend comes to us in a situation like they're dumped, or they, you know, dated someone that, you know, they knew they probably shouldn't have, or something happens at work, we can slip into compassion so easily, right? Yet for ourselves, we don't give ourselves the same grace and respect and love. And we deserve that just as much as our partners, our friends, our family do, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I know one of my fears and we've talked about this around practicing more self-compassion is being really worried that it will make me lazy or less productive. That has been like my big fear is that having compassion with myself means I'm not gonna get things done. To kind of combat that I purposefully took things off of my plate, that focus on hyper productivity was just completely off the table. And the only thing there really was room for was more self compassion. And it's been really transformational.
1: Oh, my gosh. That makes me so, so happy to hear. Oh, gosh. Yes. You know, because I think when it comes to things like productivity, we're only as productive as we feel. Yeah. Like we're only as productive as we give ourselves like acknowledgement for and like our to do lists are not going to get any shorter, especially if you're like a dreamer they're not, they're not going to get any easier or shorter. And so this self-compassion piece, which I love that it's something that like you're feeling so much more comfortable around is huge because you have to feel like you're doing enough, right? It's just all about how you're feeling. And it is, it's, it's a total game changer. It really is.
0: Totally. And I think when you're operating from a place of like trying to discipline yourself, I don't know if discipline is the right word, but it's the one that's coming to mind for me now. Everything just feels so much harder and so much heavier than when you're coming from just a place of self-acceptance and kind of giving yourself grace and space to be in flow. It just feels better. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break from our conversation with Shirin to talk about holiday treats because the holiday season is upon us it is here and for me being a balanced black girl is all about still treating myself And lately, my favorite treat has been the white chocolate peppermint skinny dipped almonds. Y'all, I cannot stop talking about these almonds and how delicious they are. I've talked about my love for skinny dipped before, the really chocolatey, delicious chocolate covered almonds. And the white chocolate peppermint flavor has been giving me all of the holiday vibes ever since they came out last month. They have creamy white chocolate, they have peppermint, they have dark chocolate. It It's kind of like a chocolate-covered almond meets peppermint bark meets puppy chow, and it has been my favorite treat of choice. So while it is still the season for it, I definitely recommend picking it up. Although I also really love the OG dark chocolate flavor and the peanut butter chocolate flavors as well, which are available year round and you really can't go wrong because they are all delicious. So if you place your order on skinnydipped.com and get your treats there, you can use the code BBG for 15% off. Again, that is the code BBG for 15% off your treat fix from Skinny Dipped Almonds. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: I have a question for you though, when it came to the self-compassion piece and maybe doing less or whatever, what were some of the first signs that you were like, Oh, I can trust this, like yeah. things this is going to be okay. I think
0: for me, a lot of it and a lot of my work around that actually was related to this podcast, which is something that I love. I love the work that I do here. And I love sharing it. But I had reached a point a few months ago where I didn't want to do it. I just mm. straight up didn't want to do it because I for so long was pushing myself to do so much. And I was doing it from a place of like, you have to do this. If you don't do it, you won't be successful, you'll be be lazy. And it just made me not want to do it. And Mm. so learning how to give myself a little bit more compassion and completely step back and do less of it made me enjoy it again. Like I was very afraid that something I loved was turning into something that I didn't love. And coming from a place of compassion helped me enjoy it again.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, that that makes me that's exactly what it is, right? Because oh, man, so many of us are doing such incredible work in the world. And if we want to sustain, like we don't think of the sustainability of it, right? Yeah. We're just kind of get into it and we see everything that we want to do and change and fix. And we don't really think, okay, but, but if I still want to be doing this in two, three, 10 years, how can I make that happen? And, and that's exactly what you're talking about. Just like I experienced, just like you were about to experience the thing that you love, the thing that gives your life the most joy can so easily become the thing that like totally makes you miserable and stressed out.
0: Yeah. And I had that same experience with fitness and I saw, Mm. I saw my relationship with fitness really change over the years in that way that I'm finally starting to enjoy it again and ease back Mm. into, but it's taken a long time to get back there.
1: It takes like, I think it's those little steps we have to take. We have to start small. I wrote today on my Instagram, like, it's like, you really have to meet yourself where you're at, not where you wish you were or think you should be. And so taking things slow, pausing, like just stopping something and reassessing. There is no shame in that. That's part of self-compassion too, right? To just take that time.
0: Totally, totally. If someone is ready to dive in, maybe they're listening, they feel inspired to start doing some inner work and really either practicing more self-compassion or figuring out how to kind of get that internal validation instead of seeking it externally. Where do you recommend they start? How do you recommend someone begin doing their inner work if they don't know where to begin?
1: For me, some of the things that like really, really shifted the way I was living meditation yeah, uh, was a big thing and do any type of meditation. Like it doesn't have to be silent. It can be guided. It could be walking. It could be whatever that is, but things for you to just be with your thoughts. And again, like the point of meditation isn't to quiet your mind is to just become present and actually be with your mind just to recognize it, right? Befriend your mind again. So I think meditation for me was a really, really big part of it. And then also, I just got really like, I just started reading and listening to podcasts like this podcast is definitely um, one of the things that I I recommend to so many people, especially women of color. Um, I think if you are a woman of color, seek out people and places where you will feel comfortable. That's a big thing because in the world of wellness, it's still very whitewashed. And one of the things that I experienced when I was first discovering this work was like, I I would go to events and I would be One of the handful of people of color there. The panel would be white. I had done the work where I was like, okay, I can sit here and I can feel comfortable. But that's not for everyone, right? So I would say seek out those spaces where you feel comfortable and... Yeah. And I think that there's no one way of doing it. So uh, for me, like curiosity is just such a big part of my life. Just get curious. Like if somebody mentions a book, if somebody says a podcast if just get curious research and, and, and kind of get into those things, see what works for you. For me, like I know one of the first things we do in the group program is like a morning routine, which I think is really great. Something to center you before you start your day. But like, again, a morning routine can be five minutes. It can be an hour. It can be two hours. There is no one way of doing this and for one person and also like day by day so again like I so there's so many things I could say here but (laughs) the meditation piece and also like I don't love yoga but I know yoga does that body-mind connection which is great and then just seeking out people and places that you are curious about I would say those are like the top things
0: absolutely And I think I love the curiosity piece. And I think something that's been really helpful for me is when I catch myself kind of repeating behaviors or toxic beliefs. Also getting curious with myself of Mm -hmm. like, where did that come from? Why did you just say that to yourself, Les? Why do you repeat that to yourself? And getting really curious about our own habits, I think, can also be super helpful.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I wrote a post where the caption was like, thoughts are like pancakes. You have to throw the first one out usually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And it's so true. The first thought we have is usually conditioned response, whether yeah. that's from society or families or maybe even a former version of ourselves, yeah. right? But it's not the most true thought. And so that's the power of what like mindset work is. The work that I do with with y'all, with my clients, which is like, okay, that first thought, let's unpack that, right? Exactly what you said, get curious about it. And let's now search for the second thought the third thought, the fourth thought, whatever is actually going to be most true and most empowering for you right now. But yeah, the curiosity piece is a big, big part of it.
0: Yeah. And I also find that having that sense of curiosity, and it is something that I have largely learned from working with you has also helped me reduce judgment. You know, when I do yeah. have those thoughts, getting curious about them instead of then judging myself or having the negative thought and then just feeling worse and it becomes a cycle, which I yes. think all of us are familiar with. It really, really helps with that.
1: Well, I think also with like, I love curiosity because, you know, we get really hung up on making right and wrong decisions, right? And so there really is no right or wrong. It's just experience, right? It's knowledge, it's data. And so that's kind of been a big, big change for me is really working on that idea that like there's no right or wrong, right? I'm gonna make a decision and whatever happens on the other side, it's gonna offer me growth, right? And I will say like that is something that will help you if you're curious about this work. I've definitely invested in things where looking back on it, I was like, okay, that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be. I've had so much growth from those things, right? It's usually the hardest things we go through that give us some of the most amazing, brilliant gems in our life, right? And it may not be exactly then, it may be a month, a year, 10 years after, but it's like that curiosity piece. It's like, okay, there's no right or wrong. It's just experience, it's wisdom, it's knowledge, it's growth.
0: Yeah, yeah, just asking questions where there's no right yes. or wrong answer. For sure. Which also, and I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but if y'all are not following Sharin on Instagram at Wholehearted Coaching, we'll make sure we have that linked in the show notes. Make sure you do because literally every day, I don't know how you do it, but every day she shares these amazing posts with like the most beautiful lessons that are just so, so helpful. The messages always come right on time. So definitely make sure you're following her on Instagram because the content is fire.
1: Oh, thanks, Les. That that means so much to me. I, I have to admit... Usually what I write about is what I need to hear the most or what I'm going through myself. And I think that that's just like, we're all on this journey of self-growth. There is no like end, all works in progress and a masterpiece all at the same time.
0: Oh my gosh, totally. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I think I've learned from working with you is not necessarily that we get to a space where we are just like holier than thou and we know all things, (laughs) but it's having tools to know how to navigate those situations and not have it like totally throw us off.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. Having the tools to know how you want to navigate it. Yeah. Right. Just it's all about like centering the work in you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. So a little bit earlier, we also touched on uh, wellness spaces being very white, which y'all know that's my favorite topic to talk about, <laughs> because that's why this show exists. I would also just love to talk to you a little bit about wellness and about your Wellness journey and how wellness has played a role in your own kind of personal transformation that you've had with your life.
1: Oh my goodness. Wellness has been like a big part of this, right? Because I was just, I was not taking care of myself spiritually, mentally, emotionally at all. And I'd always move my body, those kind of physical outside goals. And, you know, I got into that whole dieting whatever culture terrible diet culture which i now i'm so anti diet culture <laughs> but like so that for me was my wellness before i i really discovered oh shoot like there's this inner world that i really need to be addressing and like i said before you know i think one of the biggest problems right now in wellness and it's changing it's shifting is that it is predominantly white it's very privileged space and The ideas, the knowledge, the wisdom that's being kind of shared is the ideas and wisdom of other cultures often. And it's being presented in a way where it doesn't feel accessible, especially to those people who like actually own those things, right? Like it comes from their cultures. And that's something that I really frustrates me within the world of wellness is just that lack of awareness of like I am appropriating someone else's history, culture, people, rituals, you know, and not really kind of giving respect where it's due and not really giving a platform for the people who really should be talking about the work, spreading the work and teaching the work. So that's something that when I started kind of coaching, for me, inclusivity, diversity, and really just kind of like learning about my own blind spots were are a big part of what I do, right? Because we all have privilege. We all have blind spots. But I want my spaces that I create, creating community for me is a big part of the work I do, whether yeah. that's in real life or online. I want every single person to feel like safe. That's yeah. it, right? And so If someone comes to me and they say, hey, Sharon, you know, like that thing you said, X, Y, and Z with it, I'm not going to be that person who's like, oh, I'm sorry you felt that way, right? Which is, I think, Mm. what happened right in the world (laughs) of white wellness. Like, oh, that wasn't my intention. I'm sorry you felt that way. It's like, no, like, tell me what I did. I want to learn because the safer my community feels... The more we all grow. Yeah. And to me, that's what it's all about. Cause I think, again, as the way I grew up, which I think is the way that many of your listeners grew up, I didn't feel very safe. I didn't yeah. feel very seen. I didn't feel very welcome. And my life was constantly navigating how to make other people feel more comfortable around me. If someone wants to come tell me something about something I said about race, gender, body stuff, like anything, like I'm here for it, right? I'm here for it. And I think that's just something in wellness that I I think we need more of is people making mistakes, right? Because right now, there's a lot happening in the landscape. But like, who are you after you make that mistake? Are you going to be the person who says, thank you? Yes, I'm going to learn from this or sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel that way. that phrase
0: Just block them on social media. That's that's what I've seen happen a lot with people. (laughs) They get called in and then just completely turn off the conversation.
1: I will say this, wellness, woo, whatever you want to call it, it's for all of us. It makes us better beings, right? We are not just physical, but we're emotional, we're energy, we're spiritual. And so all of these things are things to be explored. And I would really encourage people to do that. Because like, again, four years ago, I was like, crystals, what? Meditation, (laughs) what? Mm, I don't know about this. And now, you know, I think what ends up happening sometimes is that that term spiritual bypassing, where... We take wellness and we ignore... The real trauma inside that has to be worked through, whether that's with a coach or a therapist or whatever, like we still got to do that work, but all that other stuff supports us in our healing. And we really need that, especially as women of color, because we are carrying not only our own lived trauma, but the trauma of our ancestors of our lineage, right? So there is so much to be undone and all of this stuff, all these wellness pieces make that so much more easier for us to do.
0: Yes. And I'm so glad that you said that about wellness being a source of healing, because I also think that in this space, and this comes from someone who used to work in fitness for several years, sometimes it can also take a turn where wellness is like what we need to be saved from. And (laughs) I've had a really interesting personal experience where I think back to like my early to mid 20s when I was at the height of being in wellness and being Mm. fit and being it and working out all the time and having people admire my like dedication. But I was actually super miserable and like hated my life and I was super fit because I hated everything else about life. So like Mm. I just worked out all the time because I was unhappy I think about that time. And I think about, again, kind of like what we were saying about the perfectionism, where it's a form of trauma that can be celebrated, where it's like, people think, oh, you're so dedicated. Oh, you're so good. And now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was miserable. And now I work out way less, because there's other parts about my day that I actually enjoy. And I don't, hate my life, but that's not as celebrated. But when you come to wellness as a place of healing, not necessarily just another thing that you're using as an escape, it's so, so different and it feels so much better.
1: I also love that you mentioned that too, because actually this is something that I've been thinking about a lot too within the world of wellness, which is like it's a disclaimer of like, make it your own right now. Like, my sister and I were talking about I don't know, do you know, this like medical medium guy? Yeah, who's yeah. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sure he has a lot of really great things to say. But you see people being like, Oh, my gosh, this is what I have to do. I have to have celery juice, I have to detox, I have to cleanse, or you know, whether it's like, I have to get all these crystals, I have to do this thing. And it actually when wellness starts to stress you out, that ain't wellness anymore. Let it go. <laughs> you know? Yep. It, then, make it for you, right? Like these are tools for you to construct, use in any way that you want that fit your life, that fit where you're at. And so I don't think there's one way of doing it. If anyone is telling you like, you got to do it this way, or you're not going to be fixed. You're not going to be whole and they're not being flexible with you, or they're not acknowledging, you know, privilege they're not acknowledging systemic oppression. They're not acknowledging just a lot of other things as well. Then that's just not for you. Like wellness should not stress us out like that.
0: Exactly. I could not agree more because I have definitely.
1: Especially when you start out and you're like, oh, this feels better. And then you're like, well, what if I added this? And then I do that. And then you're like deep in and stressed out. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Opposite end of being stressed out. Or when you are stressed out, Sharon, what do you do to take care of yourself? How do you like to recenter?
1: For me, Breathing is a big one. Like, I think we forget to do that just to like pause, like even at my desk sometimes when I have so much to do, like, and I'm like, whoa, wait a second, pause, breathe. And like, I'll feel my shoulders are scrunched up and it's just giving yourself those small little moments. They help so much, but I really do infuse my week. Like, especially if I know I have a launch coming up, so I know it's going to get a little Hectic. So for me, it's about okay. I'm going to work X amount of hours, but then I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go for a walk, or I, my husband and I have a really playful like relationship together, and so I'm very lucky that when my partner comes home, it's playtime, you know. <laughs> and so that stuff for me really helps ground me. I'm very intentional with infusing that along the way because. I've been to that point where I got to burn out. And, you know, when that happens, it's like you burn out, then you got to take two weeks off and you're a total like vegetable watching yeah. Netflix. <laughs> that doesn't feel good either. Right. No. <laughs> and so it's really that like what we're talking about, this that sustainability piece, like how if these are the things I want to do in my life, right, which involve You know, this kind of output or this amount of work, how can I make that easier on myself? Or, you know, where can I cut corners? Or do I really need to be doing like 10 posts a week? Or, you know, like really just questioning why, how, and really for me, like, how can I make this easier has been such a huge mantra for me this year.
0: Mm, that is such a good mantra. And I'll make sure we have that kind of either called out in the in the show notes, because I think that that's such a good gauge that we can use for ourselves to help us stay centered. It can be yes. so easy for us to make things harder than they need to be. And especially for us as women of color, like society makes things hard enough for us. <laughs> we don't uh, need to go add that on top of it. For ourselves. No, no, no.
1: no. Yeah. (laughs) Not at all. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, Sharin, you also have your program, Wholehearted Woman, opening up really soon, which is so exciting because, as we've said, I took part in this latest round of Wholehearted Women. It's actually funny because. I kind of like you had just not really coaching of this kind was not on my radar before this. I'd had coaches before, but it was always very business oriented Mm -hmm. results, you know, Instagram coach, Pinterest coach podcast whatever like you know me productivity obsession so the idea of ever doing any sort of coaching just for myself for my spirit for me as a person just I didn't even know that it existed and then at ignited women last year or this past year in February when I heard your keynote I was like oh my God, I have to work with her, her program, whatever it is. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, whenever it opens, like I'm doing it basically is what (laughs) sold it for me. Just as soon as I heard you speak, I knew that like working with you was exactly what I had needed in that moment. But I'm really curious to you, what does it mean to live wholeheartedly?
1: For me, living a wholehearted life is a life. I mean, it's literally that your heart is just open to everything, which means the good, the ugly. We have this idea that if we close our hearts, we're going to save ourselves from pain. We're going to save ourselves from disappointment. And That's just not it. When we do that, we still get disappointed and hurt, but we've blocked ourselves off from some of the most incredible experiences, feelings, people in our lives, right? And so living wholeheartedly means that you have the tools, you have the knowledge to take care of yourself when that shit comes, right? When those challenges come. But it also means that when that beauty and that gloriousness is there, you are there, you are present, you are living in that moment, not thinking about, you know, the next thing that's going to happen when the shoe's going to drop. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm here. I'm grateful. And I deserve this. That to me is a wholehearted life. Oh,
0: I love that. I love it. It is. And it's so true. And I feel like that is definitely what I have gained from our time together for sure. So if we have listeners who are interested in wholehearted woman or who are interested in keeping in touch with you, where can they learn more information? How can they do that?
1: Yeah. So again, Instagram, Wholehearted Coaching, be in touch with me, Um, but also joining my email list, which you can do if you visit my Instagram or go to wholehearted-coaching.com and you can join there. Wholehearted Woman is going to be, we're going to start in January, 2020, which I'm super excited about because I feel just, you know, start the new year. Exactly like you said, I think so many women come to me and they're like, okay, teach me how to be more productive. Teach me how to like do more stuff in my life. And they do do those things, but they like actually start enjoying life more. So like, I think it tricks them. They're like, they don't know if they're being more productive or whether just life (laughs) is great. You know, they're just like, I don't care (laughs) because life is good. So January 2020, we start and registration is going to open at the end of November. I don't know when this is going to air, but whenever it does, (laughs) I think you'll have time to join. And again, like I'm someone who loves to interact with my community. So whether that is dropping me a line in my DMS or emailing me to talk.
0: I love it. So we will have all that information linked in the show notes. We'll have Sharin's email list and Instagram so that you can learn more about Wholehearted Women. This will be going live at the end of November. So there will be plenty of time for folks to register. And I am just so excited for you all to learn more about the program and Sharin's work. So Sharin, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me, Les. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And also, for our podcast listeners out there,
0: there's a new podcast in town. Sharon, would yes. you <laughs> like to tell us more about your new podcast?
1: Yes. So, me and my girl, Chrissy King, who's also, also been guest. on the yes, yes. also a guest, we started a podcast called. TGTS, which is two girls talking shit. And yeah, we just we get in deep, we have some deep conversation, but with a side, you know, with some side eye and with some sass, because that's what you need when you talk about deep stuff. So yeah, but we just launched and yeah, it, it's really been incredible. It's a really incredible platform Les. like I did not realize how fun podcasting can be.
0: Oh my gosh, totally. And I'm sure it's I spent a lot of time talking to myself. I love interviewing people way more. I mean, it's fun to listen to your guys' show. And so I'm sure recording it is also fun when you get to talk to each other. Oh my it's gosh! That fun. was
1: that actually is the best part of it. And again, like I said before, it's like I always envisioned having a podcast. I always wanted one, but I just I couldn't see just myself doing it knowing who I am and how I operate. And so again, <laughs> that question of how can I make this easier? I yeah. was like, Oh, I know I'm I'll get a friend to do it with me. So you can always figure things out when you ask yourself that question. I'm telling you, yes, you can.
0: I love it. Yes, we will all be looking for ways to make our lives easier. Also, we'll have two girls talking shit in the show notes so that you can go tune in and listen to Sharin and Chrissy there. Sharin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank
1: you so, so much for having me, Les.